God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. Quarter's on. January 28th. First month of the new year is almost gone. Praise God. Message this morning is do your part. Each and every one of us are gifted, equipped, and called by the Lord for certain tasks. And, you know, some of them are, you know, it's pretty easy to summarize. We're called to be faithful witnesses of God. Well, how does that look like? What does that look like in your life? What does that look like in the people around you? How are we faithful? How can we be faithful, faithful witnesses of God and the people that we interact with? And it's going to vary by each person because each and every one of us have different circles of influence, different people around us, even different, um, uh, different giftings. So I want to start with Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, which is on page 453. I remembered this morning to write down the page numbers, page 453 in the Pew Bibles. Now, you remember Solomon was the wisest man ever, according to Scripture. Um, God gave him wisdom that was greater than, than the wisdom of anyone else. And then he set out to learn things on his own and made a whole lot of stupid mistakes because, yes, I have the wisdom from God, but I want to prove it in my human logic. And Solomon made a lot of mistakes. But the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon at the end of his life refers to himself as the preacher. And he says, I went and tried everything. And begins boiling things down and, and giving advice based on not only the wisdom that God had given him, but him, him, him going out and proving the, the uh, outcome of bad mistakes. And in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, Solomon says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Solomon says, this life you have right now is the only chance you have to make a difference and to make an impact. Uh, John Bevere, in his teaching, Driven by Eternity, talks about the fact that in the, in the scope of, a th of eternity, our life is not even a blink. To, to however many years we have on this earth, even the 969 years of Methuselah is not to be compared with eternity. Yet eternity is, how we spend eternity is determined by what we do in this life. Um, our salvation is provided by God. But our reward comes from what we do. So Solomon says, you have this life to make an impact. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Do it with gusto. Do it with all of your energy. Because that's the gift of God. Down in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to go to chapter 3, beginning with verse 6, which is on page 330. Now, remember in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king over in uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. And he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were still torn down. Now, the, uh, 
uh, people of, of Israel, the, the Jews had been allowed to go back. Some of them had been allowed to go back. They'd gone back after having been hauled away by the Babylonians. And then the Babylonian Empire is taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire. But uh, Ezra had come back to build the temple. But the walls of Jerusalem were not built. And Nehemiah prayed and asked God and then went to the king. And he got permission to go and to build the walls of, of Jerusalem. You read the book of Nehemiah, they had a lot of conflict, but I just I want to focus actually two passages in it, but we'll start with this one. Nehemiah 3, beginning with verse 6. Many of these names, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, you've never heard these names before. In fact, um, some people tend to just glaze over the names that come up. Because they don't mean anything. They, they don't understand what, how the names fit in. But I'm going to start with verse 6. It says, Moreover, Jehoiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the, the Moronathite, the men of Gibeah and Mizpah repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uzael, the son of Harheah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Rephaiah, the son of Hur, the leader of half of the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaf, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabaniah, made repairs. And Malchijah, the son of Harim, and, and Hashub, the son of Pehath-Moab, repaired another section, as well as the Tower of the Ovens. And next to him was Shalem, the son of Halohesh, the leader of the half of district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. And I just want to stop with that little section right there. You've got a couple of chapters that go on like this. And what Nehemiah is saying, these people that you've never heard of were working. This one and his sons, this one and his daughters. In the passage above this, it talks about how there were those people, some of the rulers, they didn't lift a hand. But, but he's calling out and recognizing the people that are at work, that are doing the task. People without, without fame, people without mention anywhere else in the Bible. They are, they are mentioned here that they were working, they were diligent. And you always wonder why some of these things are in there. And just want to let you know, God knows who you are. He knows how you've been gifted. He knows what you're doing. He sees the work of your hands. Ecclesiastes, we read it just a minute ago. Solomon says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Be diligent in what you do. God sees it. People around you see it. You may never... Have your name in a newspaper. You may never have your name up in lights. But all of our actions are written down in the book. David said, all of my days are written in the book before ever any of them were. 
God knows exactly who we are and knows exactly what we're doing. He sees the end from the beginning, and he pays attention to the things going on in our lives. When I say, do your part, is the, is, you know, the message title, God knows what he made you to do. God has equipped us and, and given, gifted us and given us opportunity, and we may not even know how what we do is impacting other people. But if we are diligent to recognize that everything we do, we're doing it for the Lord. Everything we do, we do it with all our might. Everything we do, we do with a goal that it please God. That God is using that in the hearts and lives of other people. He's making an impact in the people around us. I've talked before, the very first message I preached here as the pastor, January 1st, 2006 was called, What Will This Man Do? And it's taken from the passage where after Jesus' resurrection, and he's, Jesus is talking with Peter, and he says, If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. And he said, it, Peter sees John standing there and says, Well, what about him? What will this man do? And Jesus' response is, What does it matter to you if I will that he live until I return? You do what I told you to do. You feed my, feed my lambs. We had a, a, a guy here that I worked with that day. Well, I worked with him for a long time, but he was here that day. So um, he was here listening to the message. And a few months later, we're at work and... and I was in a bad mood. I was upset about something, and I was complaining as we were going over to get coffee. And he just turns to me and says, what will this man do? Our words have an impact. What God has gifted us to do makes an impact in the lives of other people. When um, it's another circumstance at work, when I was, you know, as thought I was being treated very unfairly and I was very vocal in, in complaining about it and all of a sudden you get that, you know, the beam from heaven as you're reading your Bible, the beam from heaven highlights a verse and all of a sudden that verse pierces your heart and it was the verse that talks about servants obey your masters in all things, not just to the good ones. You know, and I had to go back and apologize to my boss. You know, and just as vocal as I had been in complaining, I had to be just as vocal in apologizing. I had to be just as bold and forthcoming. And he says, well, everybody does it. I says, yeah, but everybody's not the preacher. We ha our words have an impact in the lives of people around us. People watch us. So here, Nehemiah has pointed out how these people were working and where they were working. So you could go to, Jeru to Jerusalem right now, and you could find the broad wall. And you know that Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs, and they fortified Jerusalem at the broad wall. They did it, and this is where they did it. It's in Scripture, knowing that... that it gives an example that God is paying attention in our lives. In uh, 2 Timothy 2, beginning with verse 4, it's page 801. We read this verse a couple of weeks ago. 
says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Stop right there. So the soldier, whether it's the athlete, whether it's the farmer, whatever it is we, we do, whatever it is God has put on our heart to do and equipped us to do, we do it with a diligence knowing that God is the one we're working for. It talks about that uh, the soldier doesn't entangle himself in the affairs of this life that he might please him who enlisted him. Doesn't get so bound up in the things of this world and things going on in this life. I've said before, Heaven is not our goal. Heaven is our destination. Our goal is to be lights that might lead other people toward the Lord, might lead other people to heaven. Our goal is to populate heaven with believers, those who, who have come to, in repentance and drawn near to the Lord. We do that by our life, by the way we live out our life in front of them, by the way of being faithful, being diligent, knowing who has called us, knowing who has enlisted us as soldiers, knowing what the rules are. Um, the, the, uh, the athlete, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless, he's first, unless he competes according to the rules. Lord, guide us. Lord, teach us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Or read um, Psalm 19 sometime. I used to be able to quote it. I can't, can't right now. It's, it's on the peripheral of my brain. <laughs> the statutes of the Lord are right. The statutes of the Lord are pure. Stat, you know, that's the passage. Read that and understand that God's word is the guide to teach us and to lead us and to show us. Let's go back to Nehemiah for just a minute. Uh, Nehemiah 6 Page or beginning with verse one, it's on page three thirty-two. So back in Nehemiah three and Nehemiah four, he's talking about this people. This person built here. This person was building here. Right next to him was this person building here. Then this this person was building here. Drop down to Nehemiah six. It says now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab. And the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there, and there, there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together in the villages of the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? while I leave it to go down to you. I want you to think about this sentence here for a minute. The enemy was trying to trick Nehemiah. The enemy was trying to, to cause trouble. The enemy wanted to do him harm. And said, come on, come meet us in, the, in, the, uh, in the, the cities of the plain. Come on down. He said, I am doing a great work. Why should the work suffer while I leave to come down to you? It is so easy to get distracted by things going on in the world around us. If you, well, I don't know about you, but if I watch too much news, my blood pressure starts getting a little high. 
I start getting stressed out. I start having unkind thoughts toward other people made in the image of God. I could easily be distracted and pulled away. But I'm doing a great work. I'm doing what God laid on my heart to do. I'm doing what God is working in me to do. And I cannot allow those things going on in the world that I cannot fix, I can't do anything about, I can pray for as I'm supposed to pray for everybody. But I cannot allow that to detract me and to disturb, to pull me away from the great work of following the Lord, the great work of being a light and a witness, the great work of showing His love to the people around me. Because that news comes on and my blood pressure gets, gets hard and I can think some thoughts that would not be, would not look good plastered on a billboard. You know, a picture of Andrew and a bubble over his head. You know? Maybe you don't know, praise God. But there's so many things going on in the world to detract us. I saw um, I saw a video clip this morning, um, and I don't know the preacher's name. I re it, first name is, I think it's Bodie, but I don't, I don't know his name, uh, a black gentleman. And he's talking about how the very first lie, the very first temptation in the garden was to take your eyes off of what God has given and focus on the one thing you don't have. He said, all of us, you know, we're, we're taught from you know basically from our from our nature to look for those things we don't have he said god god told the people they could freely uh take freely from all of the trees of the garden except for the one and satan came up and says hey well what about the one rather than the we have freely given everything he says, think about that. It doesn't get more abundant than freely, freely given. Everything, every other tree of the, of the garden, everything else they had, there was one thing God said, don't mess with that. And the devil came and said, well, no, God doesn't, you know, God's trying to keep something back from you. And they focused on that rather than focus on what God had given. As we look at our own lives, we are blessed. We are highly favored. God gives us air to breathe. He gives us health. He gives us strength. Growing up, I am the oldest of three boys. I had, I had an uncle who was 13 months older than I am. Um, so, and my... I have a brother 14 months younger, so for a time, you know, it was basically the three of us in a lot of things. And, and uh, he's no longer with us. My uncle's no longer with us. He was killed in a motorcycle crash. Um, people that I grew up with are dead. People that I served with in the military are dead. I'm still here. I should be crippled, but while I may limp a bit, I'm vertical. God has richly blessed me. If I start looking at things I don't have, I have everything I need.
you have everything you need. God has given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, or the scripture is a lie. It's either happened or it hasn't. Doesn't mean we understand that. It doesn't mean we take full possession of it. It doesn't mean that we understand everything. But the sovereign hand of an almighty God who knits you together in, his mo- in your mother's womb knows everything about you, knows all of your days before ever any of them were, and says, I love you, draw near to me. I have a plan and purpose for your life. He's given us the things that we need. Do we take what God has given us and use it to be a blessing and a light to the people around us? Or do we allow those things we don't have to distract us? Do we allow things we have no control over to be to distract us? Um, Sue mentioned earlier having a specific prayer. And as she began praying a specific prayer, she began to see God working and answering that specific prayer. Praise God. That's a testimony. I know God loves her, but I also know he doesn't love her anymore than he loves me. So what am I willing to set aside? What am I willing to uh, ignore because I don't think it's important enough? Everything about us is important to God. God wants to have intimate fellowship, relationship with each and every one of us. Discuss those things that are on our heart. Discuss those things that come up. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, guide me. Lord, work in me and Lord, use me. Matthew 9, beginning with verse 35, page 655 in the Pew Bible. Then Jesus went about to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Do we pray, Lord, send me? Lord, work through me. Lord, use me for your will. There are such great needs around us. Lord, how can I be a light in the midst of this? Lord, how can I be salt in the midst of this? That's what you've called us to do, to be salt and light in this generation. To be faithful witnesses. Lord, how can I be a faithful witness? Lord, work through me. Lord, teach me. Lord, send me out as a laborer into the harvest. Is that our prayer? It's not a question of should it be, but is it? Lord, help us. Do your part. God has gifted you and equipped you, and there are people that you can reach that that would never listen to, to a word I had to say. There are people that God will, will use, use me to touch that you'd never encounter. Each and every one of us is crucial to the plan of God. We're all called to be lights in the midst of the darkness. We are all called to be faithful witnesses. In this generation, in this time, right here, right now. Because that's where God has us. If he wanted us someplace else, we'd be there. Um, Back in 93, when I was going uh, on a mission trip, going to Israel, there was a person that came up to me and says, why are you going halfway around the world to tell people about Jesus? There are people right down the street that need to hear. 
and just all of a sudden, and I opened, I opened my mouth, and what came out was, God has put it on my heart to go over there. But if God has shown you a need right down the street, maybe he's trying to get you to go meet that need. There are people around us that need Jesus. There are people around us that need to see the light of the Lord shining through us. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to, to step out there? Are we willing to say hi? Are we willing to come alongside someone? Are we willing to encourage them? We have to get into, into contact with people if we're going to show them the light of the Lord. Joshua chapter 17, beginning with verse 14. This is page 161. read this a few days ago and it really hit me. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? And Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. But those who are in Beth Shean and its towns, and those who are in the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down. And in this farthest extent, it shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Joshua told the, ch the children of, of Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of, of Joseph, he said, God has given you the land. God has already promised to drive out your enemies before you. Go do it. Like, well, we don't have enough. God, he, Joshua says, God's given it to you, but we have to step into it. God told Moses, I will drive out the inhabitants, but I'm not going to drive them out all at once, lest the land be empty and the wild beast multiply. He said, but when you go, go do what I told you to do. And just reading through the book of Joshua, you find out that they didn't drive out all the inhabitants of the land. Guess what? There's still turmoil in that land today. But they were told to do it. But God said, I'll be with you. I'll drive them out. You just have to be willing to step out into it. Are we willing to step out in what God has called us to do? To be bold, knowing that God is with us. Doesn't mean we're all... They got to go fight the, the gentlemen, with the, the ones with the iron chariots and the giants. That's where they got to go. But when they were willing to go, when they were willing to do what God told them to do, when they were willing to step out, God made the way. When we are willing to step out and do what God has called us to do, God will make a way. God will open a door. That doesn't mean there won't be a battle. That doesn't mean there won't be turmoil. What it means is we don't face our enemy alone. We don't face the obstacles alone. We face the obstacles with the sovereign hand of an almighty God working through us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But he's called us to step out. We've called us to be faithful witnesses in the world. Uh, I saw 
not saw, heard yesterday that the people who claim no religious affiliation in the United States is at 30% right now. That's atheist, agnostic, and just those who say no particular religion. That's the highest it has ever been since the founding of this country. We are called to be lights in the midst of the darkness. Guess what? There's a lot of darkness out there. Are we willing to step out? Are we willing to do our part? Are we willing to do what God has equipped us to do? Um, I heard a story years ago uh, about a about a young man that went on a mission trip down to Mexico, and you know he'd been reading his Bible and you know saw where. Uh, as believers, we're supposed to lay hands on the sick and expect them to recover. And he'd gone down into this one village, and there was this there was a leper there. And he's like, you know, there's no really instruction manual other than lay hands on the sick. And he went and lay hands on the guy and prayed for him. And at the end of his mission trip, you know, he went back to the United States. Several years later, he went back down to the same place. He said, hey, whatever happened to that, to that leper that was here? He says, oh, that's him over there in perfect health. God can work through anybody that's willing to be used, that's willing to obey God. I don't know how you're going to do this. And, uh, you know, Rich, who, who puts the messages up online for us, uh, preached it here quite a few times. And, and there was one time, or actually probably more than one time knowing him, kind of like me, some of the same stories here come out time and time again. But uh, he was talking about how uh, knowing the way people are is surprising that uh, you know Jesus healed one, a person one time with mud, you know, spit, spit on the ground, put mud, made mud and put it on their eyes. So you'd have the, the church of the Muddites and the church of the non-Muddites. Jesus did things different ways. Two blind men, he just touched them and healed them. Then there was the one that he spit on the ground and made mud and put it on his eyes. Then there was another one, he just spit on him and healed him. That's in Mark, we just read that. He just spit on him and healed him. If God... If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God manifested, made flesh, did things different ways, who are we to think that there's only one certain way of doing things? God loves diversity. God, you know, people all over the world know God and have seen God at work. And God works in different ways. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. You heard that song? God does a lot of things. And so if, if there's no right way to do it, other than trusting that God's the one doing it in the first place, why do we get so bound up on it's got to be just this formula? Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, direct my steps, bring people into my path. And give me the words to say that I can be a light in the midst of their darkness. That I can set the captives free. That, that lives can be touched and changed. And the glory goes to God. Final passage, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 27, page 774.
says, now, are you, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Paul says there's a bunch of different gifts from God in the church. And each and every one of them is important. Each and every one of them is valuable. Each and every one of them is needed. Desire the best gifts. Desire to be used by God. Desire that He get glory in our lives. That very last Lord there, yet I show you a more excellent way. Keep in mind when the Bible was written, it was not written in chapter and verse. It was written in this letter, especially the epistles. You know what comes after, yet I show you a more excellent way? Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I am a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. The very next verse, the very next sentence, after yet I show you a more excellent way, is it doesn't matter what you do if you don't do it with love. Have the love of God, the concern for people. Do your part. Do it in such a way that it reflects glory to God. Do it in such a way that we don't become uh, an obstacle and a stumbling block to the people around us. Don't holler out, you know, don't, you know, point out everyone's fault. Rather come alongside with that more excellent way. Let me tell you about the love of God who loved me so much he didn't leave me in the mess I was in. Let me tell you about the love of God who desires a relationship with you. Let me tell you about the love of God that can break your chains of bondage and addiction. That can break and break the barriers and comfort the brokenhearted. Let me tell you about a God who is worthy to be praised. We come with an attitude of love, but we come to do our part. Do what God has equipped you to do. And the people around you, the people that God has placed in your circle. If God is the one who directs our steps, and I firmly believe that, then we don't encounter anyone that God didn't know was about to cross our path. So how are we taking what God has done, what God has given, and using it to be a light in the lives of people he brings across their path? Father, help us always to do our part, to do what you've sent us to do, to be the lights that you've sent us to be, to show your love, your grace, and your mercy to a generation that so desperately needs you. Lord, as you have been merciful in my life and merciful in all of our lives, Father, help us, Lord, to show that love and that mercy to the lives of people around us, not excusing sin as you didn't excuse ours, but rather, Lord, showing that salvation belongs to the Lord, that God will make a way, and that you are the one who sets the captives free. Help us, Father, to step out and to do our part, to do whatever our hands find to do, to do it with all of our might. 
and not to be distracted, not to be weighed down by the, the fears and concerns, not to, not to allow the other things going on in the world around us to interrupt us from the, the mission you sent us on. That we be faithful witnesses, faithful servants to show your grace to those who so desperately need it and to be obedient. So, Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.